millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In a world filled with COVID and chaos, three dads bring to you a riot of entertainment every hump day. Hump day! We are Jordan, a.k.a. The Gnome. Josh, a.k.a. The Dome. AJ, a.k.a. The Stone. And together, we're Dads on Dayquil. Between the three of us, we have ten kids. <laughs> that we know about! <laughs> we're talking about you, Johnny Six. <clears throat> Sit down, turn up the volume, and crack a cold one. As we bring you a glimpse into our dad lives, we break down our weekly events with our dad stories and tons of shoutouts. Dad Corner! We bring you dad games... We also cover music, movies, and all things entertainment. Hell, we even bring you the Stone Safe House for off-the-wall references. Heyo! So come check us out on your favorite podcast platform, even if you prefer certain platforms that we don't. Yeah, we're talking about you, Google Podcasts. Me 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 meow. Dad's out. I legit don't know if I've ever seen you with your hat off, and I'm super, like, feel like there's a glitch in the Matrix right now. Yeah, you don't know what I look like without a hat, huh? Okay, anyways, moving on. I have antlers. I have antlers! Welcome to Dads on Dayquil. I have derailed taboos. Fucking up all our shit. At least you didn't bring virtual herpes. Heyo. Hi. How goes it? It goes. How goes it for you? It goes. It feels like the longest week ever. Oh my god, I actually had the day off today, and let me tell you, it worked fucking wonders. For what? Just in general. (laughs) The universe was like really amazing today, and I think it's because I took the day off. (laughs) Excellent. I'm glad you clarified. It worked fucking wonders. (laughs) Just the world was a good place today. How was your day? Long. Very long. I'm sorry. Eh, It is what it is. Work was just work. But speaking of work, now that it's been announced at work, can we talk about work? We can after Maple's done drinking from the water bowl. Oh, come on, Mapes. But I was so thirsty. This sounded like a good time. I just need refreshments. You guys ain't busy. Y'all ain't doing nothing. She was trying to get a literal kernel of dog food earlier. Like one kernel and like getting under all these cables and shit to get to it. And I was like, dude, this is, this is desperate. This is not necessary, Maple. So yeah, work things. I got a promotion and you and I are going to be working in our real life jobs together now again. I'm stupid fucking excited. Oh my God. I don't even have words for how excited because I just 
oh my god I can't wait to be on the same team as you again. I can't wait to see what you do in this role. I can't wait to see how you flourish under our leader who is fucking amazing and weird and amazing and just one of the best leaders I have ever experienced in my life. And I cannot wait to see you just absolutely explode with success. You guys, you thought the world had like too much of us just having this podcast together. <laughs> now we're going to be together like eight hours a day. I mean, I, okay, but let's be real. We're technically together all day anyway. Like we talk all day. True. So nothing's going to change except now when you say, hey, I have a work question, I will have to have an actual work response because... We will share work now. <laughs> also, I think what I want to just like kind of point out because people are probably like, wow, they live in a city of like five people if they are constantly working together. Like, no, we actually work for a legitimate organization that has thousands of employees and yet we just can't get enough of each other. So that's why it's so exciting. Look in the image. It looks like I have antlers coming out of my head. It totally does. So, getting away from real life things and into more fun things, should we uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today? Wow, there's lots of there's lots of talking about talking about. Listen, my brain function is fucking non-existent. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry because I really just was like over here, like I had a fucking amazing day. I did nothing today. I got my hair done today, and then you're over there like. I actually fucking did shit today. So I might not be as mean today as I usually am, but probably not. You don't have to, like, handle me with kid gloves. <laughs> Continuing on, do you want to ask me what we're talking about? Allie, what are we talking about today? We're talking about men with emotions, and we have a special guest that we need to call for it. Ooh, I love special guests. I love men with emotions. Cheers to all this shit. Cheers, cheers. So we're going to step away for a second, listeners, and make that call. Ring-a-ding-ding, motherfuckers. Why did that feel like a Sam L. Jackson thing? I was really about it. I was really excited. <laughs> Hello, special guest. Sup, bruh? Is this thing on? Is it? I, I, what? <laughs> It, it's been so long since we've talked, lady. <laughs> I've missed you terribly. Actually, in in all honesty, uh, hold on, I gotta crack this beer. It, it's a little bit of dad's on Dayquil. Okay, uh, I feel like this week back to work has been eight weeks long, and I haven't had a vacation in four years. So. <laughs> oh God, I feel that. And you just had a two week vacation. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's been that bad. <laughs> oh, hang on. Let's be real here, though. New baby is no vacation. That's true. Uh, no, it was a blast. The vacation was a blast. Being off and being with the baby was a blast. That's a good so. point. Fuck work. <laughs> Fuck work. Fuck adulting. <laughs> Very true. Overrated. Damn paycheck. On, uh, on that note, first off, you did a great segue for drinks, but first, I would love for you to introduce yourself and all the things that you're a part of. 
Yeah, everybody needs to know who you are. Yeah, as of right mean, now, you don't have a name. And we don't talk about... You mean these about... motherfuckers don't know who I am? <laughs> we talk about <laughs> the three of you collectively, not the three of you individually. So, okay. the floor is yours, your highness. Okay. Hold on. Speaking of your highness, Crystal Barr, I love you. <laughs> oh, Just so fuck you know. off. You beat me to it. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Uh, uh, I am Jordan. The gnome from Dad's on Dayquil. Uh, these ladies have merch because of me. You're welcome. It's true. I caused this. Wow. I caused this. He did. It's anyway. True. I'll get back to myself. Uh, these fine ladies. Uh, I've been. You guys have been around for what? Five months now? Four months now? Something like I, that. I five months. Five. You guys are the stats. Come on, let's go. I Math is hard. Super hard. Okay. <laughs> so whenever you guys have been around, I've been following, we've been talking, we've grown a friendship. You were on Dad's on Dayquil with Josh and I Fuck yeah. on our New Year's Eve, and we had a blast. But we are Dad's on Dayquil. We give everybody a break on hump day on Wednesdays from this fucked up world as if 2021 is any better. Check mark. It's not. <laughs> Uh, we're already starting that hot shit. Right I now. really just want uh, to return this year. Like, I don't have a receipt, but like, I'm within the 90 day window. I should be able to return this shit. Yeah, it's clearly defective. I thought what I posted was witty as fuck, and I wanted to pat myself on the back for it because it took me a day to think of. So, can you tell me what you're talking about? <laughs> I posted that I felt like what was it yesterday? No, two days ago. I felt like that was 2020s. 2020s version of like a hidden trailer at the end of a movie or like the hidden clip yes Yes. the after credits credits. yes i did see that i totally did see that Mm -hmm. yes but uh yeah you can come check us out we're on uh, dad's on deco we're on all major and minor podcast platforms and uh, google platform and and i was getting there trust me (laughs) oh yeah i was getting there uh, Apple, iTunes, whatever those kids call it, Spotify, Google Podcasts, which can go fuck itself up its own ass. Um, <laughs> any of them. But you can come check us out. We're fun. We talk about it's me, Josh, and AJ. We have 10 kids between the three of us. We talk about dad stories. We talk about just about everything. I feel like it's weird saying this to you ladies because I know you listen religiously. <laughs> but for the listeners out there, if you want some comedy relief, in the fucked up world come see us on wednesdays we'd love to have you for real dad's on dayquil is the shit it is my wednesday pick me up 100 percent. absolutely it was it was actually my wednesday pick me up this week because josh has been in a hole and didn't send me the episode and said he would actually take care of it this week about uploading it and i was like okay so i woke up on wednesday and sure shit there it was so i listened on my way to work <laughs> so uh, but thanks for having me on. I'm super happy to be here. We're super and excited that you are here. Yep, that 100%. I'm less nervous than I was last week. So. You're more nervous than last no, week? No, less. Oh, less. less. That's because it's I not your show. we've done it once. <laughs> no, no. I think it's... I was so nervous last week. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous last week, too. I was. But... Yeah. It was such... I mean... I knew it was going to be an amazing vibe because that's just how we are. Like all of us collectively as our little eating posse group. Uh, yes, that <laughs> is our group name. It's my favorite. <laughs> and uh, I don't, but I don't know. It was, it was nerve wracking. I think just to finally have that moment of collaboration because we've been talking mm-hmm. about it for so long. And then like there mm-hmm. it was. And 
We all had high standards for Mm -hmm. it. And it exceeded, with the exception of now I definitely have internet herpes. And I'm (laughs) super pissed about it because this shit is uncomfortable. All of my internet will shut down and I'm just like, what the fuck? And there's no there's no Z pack for this. Like I don't I called AT and T and they're like, well, you know, we don't have antibiotics. And I was like, what the fuck? No, no. Uh, the only thing uh, slower than the COVID vaccine process is going to be Josh's herpes Valtrex. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so you cracked a beer earlier. What are you drinking, Jordan? I am drinking, and I do not believe you. Anybody listening could probably get this. So I'm, I apologize. But if you ever come down to sweet old, good old boy Kingman, Arizona, um, I am drinking. This is Rickety Cricket. It is a brewery here in town. I like the name. That can looks fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. So sorry. There we go. Okay. So they make a bunch of different beers and um, they started canning them. I feel like most breweries do that. Yeah. 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 Logical. Um Logical, right? Sell your beer. Uh, but maybe you could see it one day, but it's called Rickety Cricket Brewing, and this is called The White Wedding. And would you even like me to give you a description? Fuck yeah. On here. I want okay. that. So it says, put on your running shoes, ditch the ceremony, and go straight to the after party. White Wedding will sweep you off your feet with its malty wheat, easy medium body, and oat notes. A little bit of bitterness help the white chocolate tones, and sweetness really stand out. It's always a nice day for a white wedding. So, huh. um, oh, yes. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Why, does it? Is it an espresso beer? Uh, no, it's a white chocolate porter. A white chocolate wheat. Mm-mm. Yeah, because he said oak too, right? I uh, yeah. No, it's a it's a lighter beer. I do have a porter from them as well in the fridge, but um, I chose this one tonight because the porter's like eight percent. So uh, I wanted to be alive for an hour. So okay, is it a blonde? Um, I wish I could pour some of this out. I. It's a, <laughs> Just pour it's it a into week. your mouth and we'll watch. Okay. <laughs> oh, that looks blondish. Yep. Hold on, wait. That was impressive. Who's the one that always asks about the bourbon? Oh, uh, that's actually Kelly. Shout out to Kel, who listens to you guys all the time. That's for you. That's for you, baby. <laughs> Kel has her own burp now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I apologize. I had to do that on your show. So, um, Yeah. Anyway, what are you guys drinking? Alley girl, you go first. I just have the remainder of my flat top Pills Sauvignon Blanc that I got like six weeks ago and still haven't finished, so I wanted to get it out of my fridge. Is it flat as fuck now? It's white wine. Oh, I forgot that. Why does it look green? Is it just a glass? It is. It's a blue glass. Okay. Yeah. There we go. For all of you people that can see that over this (laughs) hearing. I'm still... (laughs) I'm still confused by Celeste asking me if my Sauvignon Blanc went flat. Okay, I forgot you were drinking grape juice. It's totally my fault. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I saw the fizziness went out of it. My 11-year-old drink. What are you drinking? (laughs) Is it adult? It is adult. I'm drinking the top shelf of seltzers again. Uh, The pomegranate ginger. And okay... You know how last week I kind of downed on it and I was like, you know, it's delicious, but it's too gingery. I learned if you drink it real quick, you don't taste the ginger. So I did that. Hey, I have a question for you. You opened it up. Is it flat? No, I just (laughs) cracked it. What the fuck are you talking about? 
I'm just wondering, so you were making assumptions that shit goes flat, like, randomly, even if it's not supposed to. I don't appreciate your tone today. That's totally fine. I don't appreciate yours. <laughs> can, can I tell a quick story about wine real quick? I would love to real hear yes. your story, Jordan. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to that take was, it over. No, I'm that sorry, was such Alex. a dad moment. That was such a dad moment to just step in between us and be like, uh, story time. <laughs> so the type of wine that Allie was drinking brought me to my memory bank. And I was 20. And it was the very first time I went out with a drug rep and went to a steakhouse. And it was a, there was a bunch of different, um, I work for an ophthalmology office. I manage an eye clinic. So if you don't know what ophthalmology is, it's medicine, eyeballs, cataract surgery, stuff like that. Anyway, we went to this really fancy steakhouse. <laughs> yes, Allie? I'm laughing because you said with a drug rep and then you didn't, you just now And then you went to eyeballs. You were going out with a drug rep. <laughs> But everybody's like to. drug I... drug rep. What? Yeah, like you know, like, like Al Capone the... style. That's exactly where my brain went, and I know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I went to this fancy steakhouse, and I was having a beer, and the rep. I actually still talk to this guy. He's a really cool guy. He lives in Phoenix, and he was like, "Hey, have you ever had wine?" And I was like, "Fuck no, I haven't had wine. I'm a guy." And he goes, "You need to try some wine." So I had some Sauvignon Blanc. I had to call for a ride that night because I didn't know what moderation was with wine because I'd never had it. Fucked up. Wine will fuck yep. your shit I had sideways. to call my grandma for a ride. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, is it was amazing. Bad. I love that. I love that. For real though, wine will fucking fuck your shit sideways. Yeah, I know that now. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. wine anyway, hangovers sorry. are like the worst. Tony, if you're listening right now, I'm sure that you are highly appreciating this section. He is a wine representative here in Wisconsin. Shout out to Tony. Love you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my favorite thing now when I take my wife out for like birthday dinners, we get wine and they always give it to me because I'm the guy, right? Like I'm supposed to know what to do. So I swish it around and smell it like I know what I'm doing. And I always look up and say, yeah, this one's good. <laughs> so, it's your cheapest fucking bottle. Of course it's good. Whatever. Mm-hmm. This barefoot, I'll take it. Yeah. No, it's it's actually Boone's Farm. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult your taste. <laughs> I think that's actually a great segue into starting today's topic because wine being for women and not for men is kind of an assumed thing. So it, it kind is. of correlates. How dare I? <laughs> buckle up, guys. This one gets buckle. squirrely. Ooh, we're getting squirrely. So um, I do have several quotes along the way, but in general, my research came from Reddit, Good Men Project, the Chicago Tribune, APA.org, greatergoodberkeley.edu, and artofmanliness.com. So I want to start this out with a few sayings. Man up. Be a man. Boys don't cry. You hit like a girl. Don't be a pussy. Nut up. <laughs> oh, nut up. Yeah, I didn't even have that one. I just want to say that that kind of shit needs to die. Like, Agreed. It just does. But we'll dive into why. So I wanted to kind of start this out with an excl explanation of manliness. According to the Good Men Project, and Jordan, feel free to chime in here anytime. Can I just say that you chose to have the smallest fucking guy <laughs> for the manly topic episode? 
perfect. That's because it's not what makes a man. And that's why we're having this conversation. And we've also already said that size doesn't matter. So we love you no matter what. Really? Really? <laughs> size doesn't matter? No. Pause, Allie. <laughs> Celeste, on your own show, fuck yourself. <laughs> I really just had to give you a platform. <laughs> I had to give you a platform to say it because I knew it was going to come at some point. From goodmenproject.com. This is a direct quote. A man is strong, we are told, and emotions are weak. Emotions make you vulnerable. Emotions make you less able to fulfill your roles as a protector and a provider. Emotions mean that someone might be called upon to take care of you instead of you being self-reliant and self-sufficient and independent the way men are supposed to be. Emotions prove you are a human being instead of an unstoppable success robot. And men, naturally, must always be unstoppable success robots. So that means that all feelings of fear, sadness, loss, regret, love, pain, weakness, uncertainty, and damn near everything else must be repressed. Expressing any of these is a failure to sufficiently perform masculinity, and this will be enforced. All you're allowed to feel are anger, and if you must, ride detachment. Do you guys feel like that's an accurate assessment of societal views on manliness? Because from where we live, I do. I would completely agree, and I have dated outside of where we live, and I would still say I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a all-around kind of a thing. But it shouldn't be that way. Agree. I, I agree. That is just the perception mm -hmm. of what, like you said, Allie, what manliness means from, like, again, that societal lens. But, I mean, obviously we're here today to say that that's so wrong and so fucked up because none of those things make you any more or less of a man. So... Actually, I would argue it does make you more to be to be emotionally intelligent and to have awareness of your feelings, I think, makes a man a better and stronger man. That's my opinion. I agree. And so does history. Ooh, do you even history, bro? I still can't believe I fucking said that. Anyways, <laughs> so this was kind of interesting before we dive into the history. Um, this is from APA.org. One thing to point out is that in many cultures, masculinity can be proven by a coming-of-age coming ceremony, but we don't really have anything like that here, so masculinity is constantly in jeopardy. When you say here, do you mean in America, or where is here? A few different countries or regions, however you want to look at okay. it. Masculinity, as it is here in America, is prevalent in other areas as well. Okay, I just, I didn't know what here meant, so I just wanted to clarify. Different cultures have different qualifying attributes for masculinity as well. For instance, in a study of men from five different Asian nations, masculinity is defined as having a good job, being a man of honor, being in control of your life, being a family man, and being financially successful. Notice there's no, like, power display there do you know what yeah I mean? there's no alpha complex in any of those items that are saying that you should be accomplishing these check marks to be considered a successful man and like sexual prowess was actually like on the very bottom of the radar there too i, I was gonna say when you were listing those off i was like wait a second this actually sounds legit like that sounds like how i base my life you know yeah. i mean like all of that so some history Turn to page uh, 666, please. 
Hail Satine. Hail Satine. Masculinity and emotions have not always been stigmatized in society. It used to be that weeping was a mark of religious devotion or knightly chivalry in the Middle Ages. In what appears to be more upper-class 16th century Europe, it was actually fashionable for men to be expressive in their emotions, including, and sometimes encouraged as it was romanticized, sadness or melancholy. It's actually reflected in paintings from that era. Like, if you look at paintings from that era, guys look introspective or sad or, like, pondering, thoughtful, not, we're going to go rip some fucking heads off of some warrior-like tribe. This is Sparta. In early modern Britain, masculinity was based more around a range, a range of virtues, some being ones that are still prevalent today, like strength and bravery, but also honesty and self-sufficiency being prevalent as well. Eventually, in the late 17th century, politeness and self-restraint became just as important. A well-viewed man was to be courteous to others and to talk out their problems versus lashing out in anger or rowdiness. They were also to be sensible, which is not what we think it is. It actually means in touch with their emotions. It's not necessarily outlined if these expectations were transferred into a working class definition of masculinity as the formality of it was more lax. So upper class was expected to have more politeness and expressiveness and not outbursts, not displays of, I don't even know what I'm looking for here. Aggression? Yeah, aggression or like... Volatility. Posturing. Posturing is what I'm looking for. I imagine when you say that, like standing up straight. I just immediately fix my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) I think of like roosters, you know, like they're like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Yes. Charles Dickens even once noted that he invariably began to cry whenever anybody on the stage forgives an enemy or gives away a pocketbook. I don't know what that means, but I would also cry if people were giving away money and it wasn't to me, so. Yeah, I'll take some pocketbooks. However, by the 19th century, shedding tears became more female-centric. Did it explain why? Like, why why did that stigma come up? Yep, we'll get there. But I found that whole thing super interesting because I never knew that. No, I didn't either. Manliness, as I've always known it, has been 300 or like King Arthur, that kind of stuff. So learning that was really interesting to me. I completely agree. So this is a little bit of a side tangent, but emotions as it relates to male friendships. This is from theartofmanliness.com which is an amazing website, and I highly recommend it. So, in ancient times, platonic friendships were the best and most fulfilling, according to Aristotle. It is a time when the idea of heroic friendships developed, such as that between Achilles and Patroclus. They fought together during the Trojan War and were super close. When Hector killed Patroclus, Achilles was overwhelmed with grief. He smeared his body in ash and fasted, and then after the funeral, he took to the battlefield to avenge the death of his best friend. I honestly miss the days when you could just consistently avenge people's death. And it was just like this never-ending cycle of like, let's fucking kill each other. I, yeah. You wouldn't survive those days. You're a pacifist. I know. I'm, I'm literally being sarcastic right now. Thank you. I completely missed that sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. 
I was too busy staring at these notes. <laughs> I was too busy doing my job here. I actually felt that whoosh over my head, so thank you. I needed that breeze. You're so welcome. The same type of bond continued into the 19th century into the Romantic Age. Letters from some of the country's greatest orators, such as Daniel Webster, would begin with, My lovely boy, and end with, Very affectionately yours, wording that wouldn't be seen as manly today. This is a direct quote. In addition to using affectionate language with each other, men during the 19th century weren't afraid to be physically affectionate. Many men would give no thought to draping their arms around their bud or even holding hands, and while it was quite foreign to our modern sensibilities, it was even common during this era for men to share a bed to save money. That takes roommates to a whole new level. Abe Lincoln was actually one of those men. Who had a male roommate bedmate? Yep. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um... There were pictures posted on the site, too, of, like, just different guys posing together and pictures together, like, dudes sitting on each other's laps and stuff, and today it would be seen like they were lovers, but that's not the case. They just had close relationships and weren't afraid to be affectionate because society didn't label it. There wasn't, like, this, there wasn't a vibe, you know what I mean? Which is actually the next point. I think that's really fascinating because, I I mean, even hearing you say that and the mental image that I get, I have zero issue with it, right? Like, I'm here for it. And yet at the same time, I can't picture that imagery in a platonic manner. And that's not me saying that it's a masculine thing or a non-masculine thing, but I, I literally can't fathom that imagery in a platonic way. Yeah, I get what you mean. For for men, specifically. And, like, Jordan, how would you react if Josh... <laughs> nope. Got to reverse this, because Josh is tall. You can't use Josh. If I sat on Josh's lap? I mean, that works. <laughs> I got sturdy legs, let me tell you. Santa and his little elf. Uh, well, I mean, just hearing it, so... I mean, this is why you have me on. Like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I'm not afraid to show emotion at all. And... I've known Josh for uh, about 13 years, almost 13 years. And I would say in the last probably six, seven years is when our relationship really blossomed into what it is and becoming and still becoming now. And every time Josh and I get off the phone or if we see each other in person, it's always a hug and I love you. Always. Every single Mm -hmm. time. I don't care if there's 100 people around or nobody around. I will hug that son of a bitch and tell him I love him and he'll do the same to me. And same thing on the phone. Like to me, it's that's that's how I am, you know. And AJ's my cousin, uh, you know, our other host. But so, but to me, it's no different. He's he's my mm-hmm. best friend too. So I just don't. I I get what it is, even though I'm not like that. But I, what's that? I don't know. Like 15, 20 years ago, I would have been that way. Like that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's a guy, kind of. But even like my buddy Joey, the one who. If y'all don't think that I have my emotions, my best friend's name is tattooed on my ass. <laughs> and I did it just to piss him off because I love him. <laughs> so, but even Joey, like my buddy Joey is, you know, every time we talk, it, it could go two years. And when we get off the phone, I love you, bud. Like, mm-hmm. you know, glad you're doing good. Can't wait to talk to you again. Love you. It's, you know, it's, I guess, like the old times, like what you're saying. So, Seeing it, I think that's super important. Yeah. And I'm really curious to understand, like, as a society, why people moved away from that. Let me tell you. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's a good question. And a bomb-ass segue. Homosexuality didn't really have a label back then and wasn't at the forefront of people's minds. Therefore, society wasn't over and incorrectly analyzing interaction between men and their friends. Once the fear of being called gay was installed, it really put a damper on showing these types of affections. Ministers and politicians stated being gay was incompatible with true manhood and it was associated with communism. There's point number one. Hmm. Point number two, the Industrial Revolution seemed to play a big part in the suppressing of emotions as well as it caused a more cutthroat environment among workers. Supposedly, some factory managers trained workers to suppress emotions to keep productivity high. This is actually a quote from the Chicago Tribune talking about Michael Kimball's book, Manhood in America, and I thought this was super interesting. As the 19th century opens, older archetypes are challenged by a newcomer the self-made man, who must earn his manhood by succeeding in a fiercely competitive, unstable marketplace, proving himself constantly. Yet Kimmel shows that the rise of the giant corporation increasingly stymied... Is it stymied? Mm-hmm. It is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stymied efforts by males to prove their manhood. Four-fifths of American men worked for themselves in the early 19th century, but by 1870, only one-third did. The corporations turned independent artisans into assembly line workers and would-be self-makers into white-collar bureaucrats. Then one of the ways to contest this and show they hadn't gone soft due to office work and not having their own businesses and not being like their own self-made man was to join gyms, athletic clubs, and competitions. So I thought that was crazy interesting. Literally before the Industrial Revolution, you had shop owners, you had... You had men that owned and created their own things to contribute to society that put their pride and value in those things. And then the industrial revolution came along and said, Nope, fuck that. Mm-hmm. We don't need you as much as we have these easy machines to make everything better. You're just another number. So value to a degree was lost. But here's, here's what I want to contribute to that thought just conceptually for a second, right? Like, those men who then worked in those factories were raised in an environment of you put food on the table. This is what like like the meeting of those two worlds of like you work your ass off and you get what you need to get for you and your family coming from like the pre-revolutionary perspective. They watched their fathers do that. Right. And they took all that hard work into this cutthroat environment. I mean, Every single person I have ever talked to who worked in factories, like, back in the day, those men are hard Mm -hmm. fucking men. Like, hard Mm -hmm. men. So I think that's really interesting that, like, they were instilled in the good, good attributes of, like, work hard, take pride in what you do, right? All of those things that came from founding your own business and that being kind of like what stamped you a successful man meets the toxicity of okay but you have to be a cookie cutter version of a successful man which means productivity and you're just a number and like I just think that those two concepts together I have a very specific image of that man in my mind yeah I get what you mean it strips away there are some things gained from it, but I feel like it stripped away self-worth more than anything, and there was a gap to be filled. I agree. It, in a sense, kind of took away 
their individual purposes and instead gave them mm-hmm. like herd mentality purpose and in a in in men who were raised to be prideful of the work they do and what they have herd mentality purpose would be really that would be a really hard pill to swallow yeah jordan what what would that be like for you if like if somebody let me rewind you're very proud of what you do for a job mm-hmm. you and i have discussed it and you can tell your pride what if somebody took that and said guess what this is automated now your job is to push a button we still need you but this is your job now what would that be like for you it'd be it'd be degrading you know it it takes away it does take away from yourself your self worth because i've worked my fucking ass off to be where i'm at in my life and ironically it's funny cuz i backdoored this job my mom does the same thing i do and so it was a hand me down job when i started doing it and i hated it and i didn't like it and I ended up falling in love with it. And and oddly enough, the field I'm in is highly female dominated outside of the doctor realm because obviously there are more male doctors than there are female. It is changing in, in ophthalmology. It's changing, but in probably all of medicine. But um, when it comes to my work, you know, I pride everything I do in my work. And so to for somebody to say, hey, we can take care of you by this device, you, we still need you, but not like you used to be. To me, that would be like instant self-worth downgrade. Like 5'4 mm-hmm. to 5'2, maybe 5'1. <laughs> but it, it makes sense why it started like that. Um, you know, I... I don't know. It, to me, I, like I bust my ass. I have a great house. I have I have a great life, and I attribute that to my work ethic and my pay. Of course, I feel like I could be making more money, but I make good money for what I do. And, you know, I won't deny it. I make really good money. But who doesn't want more money? Everybody wants more money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like everybody could say. I feel like I'm worth more than what I get. I mean, people who really actually do their jobs probably all feel that way, that I'm worth more yeah. than what I get. I, I mean, I could tell you I've never asked for a raise in my work, and they've just been given because of my work ethic and what yeah. I do and what I, what the product I put out at my work. But also, I'm of the mentality, you lead by example. You don't lead from the back. You lead from the front. Like, get the fuck in the boat. I'm rowing. Come with me. Not... In the back of the boat, you yeah. guys need to row so we can go that way. No, fuck you. Give me the oars. I'm taking us there. Let's go. That's my work ethic. And and that's what makes a good leader, too. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I've called myself Napoleon for a reason. <laughs> more than one for reason. For more than one reason. <laughs> and hopefully less poisoning. No. No, not so poisoning. I mean, if I got in a fight, I'd get my ass kicked. I'm kind of small, so... <laughs> I think it's so funny you say that because all I can hear in my mind after that comment is that story about you being at the mall with that. And it's a real story. And you're like, if if you give me a fucking ladder, bro. And because you knew I was serious, like I I might go down in flames, but I'm going to go down swinging. (laughs) So I'm going to try. I'm going to (laughs) try. Yeah. But um, no, it makes what you're saying makes total sense because machinery taking away manliness 
from an industry and the it's a different subject what i'm going to say but you know the whole reason for that is unionizing and they don't want to pay what you want money wise so fuck you we're going to create machines to do your job and make you worthless but now it created a whole nother problem and I do mm-hmm. think you are starting to see, which maybe we'll get into, I don't know, because you guys are the leader, but you are starting to see a change in the perspective of man in our country. And I see it in TV shows and movies, and and, and it's 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 different. At first, it kind of throws you off because you're like, that's kind of weird, but it's it's real, and that's what's important. Agreed. So to wrap up the history section of this a little bit, I have a fun fact for you. And I actually knew this, but I'm wondering if you guys did. So did you know that the idea of pink and blue for boys and girls is actually a fairly recent one? And it was actually originally established that pink was for boys and blue was for girls. Pink was considered to be a stronger color and more suitable for a boy, while blue was considered to be more delicate and dainty and for a girl. Hmm. That's fascinating, actually, and I really have a hard time mentally unprogramming myself from blue is boy, pink is girl. And see, I I don't know. I've made I've made leaps and changes in my life because I can tell you stigmas are hard to break. Like if I can be totally real, like like no filter real growing up with your friends as boys and becoming men. And you talk shit to each other. Like, I'm just going to say it. Like, you you know, your your buddy does something stupid and you call him a retard, right? Or he does something that you think is kind of gay and you call him a fag. And you don't think about that when you say it because it seems, when you say it, you're messing around, but it doesn't seem derogatory until you realize what you're saying. And it's, mm-hmm. and then it becomes hurtful. And then you're like, why did I act like that? And I mean, I can give you a prime example. My grandpa who passed away in June of last year. Um, he, at the age of 72, 70, 73, decided that him and my grandma were no longer to be together so he could be openly gay. And it was something he fought with since he since 1980. And I will tell you, I was extremely pissed off, not by the fact he wanted to be gay. That was not the problem in my The problem is I love my grandma with all my heart and I'm super protective of her. And I was mad to watch her be so upset. And Mm -hmm. it took me a while to talk to my grandpa. And then when I talked to him, I just asked him why. I just need answers. And once he relayed those answers to me, I was accepting. And it wasn't wasn't the acceptance of him being gay. It was the acceptance of him leaving my grandma is what upset me. But I will say the reason I'm telling that story is we were at their house. And (laughs) when I found out via phone from my parents, my mom and my aunt about this happening like nine months before that we were at his house and he was watching a Richard Gere movie. And I, this is why I says I was younger. And I said, why are you watching this? It's so gay. And he looked at me and goes, you're such a hetero. And I was like, okay, homo. Right. Like banter back and forth. Uh-huh. And then when I found out about this, my first comment out of my mouth was I call like nine months ago, I called him a homo. I feel terrible about it. Mm-hmm. And I apologized to him and he laughed and he said, you didn't mean it in an ill way. You were meaning it in a joking way, but people don't realize that. And that's part of man emotion, you know, it's, 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 it's tough because you get in a man talk and you don't mean it in a hurtful way, but you, you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. But also, like you said, that, that 
is just part of what it is today. It's part of society. It's an ingrained right. thing. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and it's and it's a hard thing to break. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just is. And I, I've gotten better about it. And, it, you know, I, I don't know. It's just when you say those things, you don't realize how hurtful you're being because you're not meaning it that way. Yeah. So... I was thinking about it while writing this and the the term man up. Actually, let me do this. I had this later on, but I think it fits here. I had a thought experiment that I want to ask you guys. I love your experiments. Or as Moose now goes, hey. <laughs> He's my favorite small human. He might be as tall as me. Let's be real. Kid looks big. Bro, he's a fucking big boy. (laughs) You don't joke like that. He's a big boy. (laughs) Yeah. So here's my thought experiment. A boy and a girl are both in the same sport. Let's say soccer. They take a cleat to the knee, and it's pretty disastrous. It's super skinned up, bleeding everywhere, but doesn't need stitches. It can be treated on the side. Celeste is about to vomit. I think Jordan is, too. No, I'm just trying to help my comment because we're talking about manliness in soccer. I just can't say it. Dude, my middle brother is a great soccer player and honestly, yeah. like... He's one of my favorite dudes. I'm not even going to lie. He is one of my favorite I'm dudes. I'm pretty sure he can bench press me at this point. Not that that's what manliness is, but... I love soccer. I just... the The southern region of the world will fall down if the blade of grass is too tall. And that's where I make fun of soccer. So So back to this atrocious bleeding thing. So basically, Elias's knee a few weeks ago with his hoverboard. From the hoverboard, yes. Okay, here we go. Which of the two is going to receive a more sympathetic reaction? What's the girl going to get and what's the boy going to get? Okay, let's answer, Jordan. We each have to give the girl response, and then we each have to give the boy response. Allie is the mediator. Are you doing this at the same time? What's happening? No, ladies first. No, you go ahead, Celeste. Thank you. Oh, you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Um, so I think that the answer for the girl would be, let's get you an ice pack. Let's call your mom. Let's get that looked at. Let's get you off the field. Your Your turn, Pops. Oh, and, and I'm going from the guy perspective? No, you have to answer for the girls. So I, I would agree with you, not from my perspective, but from the natural majority perspective, is you're probably going to be more sympathetic to the girl, whereas the boy, you're going to tell him to man up. Like, stop crying, get back out there. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Shake it off. You'll be fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Get back out there. Whereas mm-hmm. the girl probably gets some bench time, some, what am I looking for? Medical attention. Yeah, that's not what I'm looking for, but yeah, also that. No, but I, I really think, in my experience in watching high school and college sports, like, the number of dudes that I have seen play through a whole fucking game with a bad fucking limp or, like, you know their shit's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Somebody Somebody's battleship got sunk, like, but they're still playing, like you know that they will require medical attention and they will get it, but it is not until after the game. And I feel as though women more often than not would actually be removed from the game, even just temporarily to get that medical attention and then determine if they can or cannot play. Dudes play through that shit. So Mm -hmm. here's my question. 
And part of me is curious if it is maybe going to be your question. But part of me is curious if it's because that's their mentality of I can't get off the court. I have to finish this game. Or if it is the mentality of the coach saying or whoever saying you're going to stay on the court. You're going to get through this game. Or if it's honestly 50% of both of those things. That is my question. My question is why? Why is that? Why is the treatment different? That was our telepathy right there. It's a good question because that's not uh, you. You like the term "man up," like we talked about. I never tell my son to man up, and he's in kickboxing and he's in jujitsu. And the girls that are his age beat the shit out of him. They are tough girls, right? But I've actually dis well from from COVID. I now don't go to class because they request that the kids go to class and the parents stay outside of it. And I love it because I'm one of those parents that would be a bad influence and and, and bad influence on my son because he gets nervous when I'm around and he thrives when I'm not around because he doesn't want to disappoint me. But what I would say is to toughen up. I don't say man up. I say toughen up because he just needs to toughen up. And, but I will treat, I know she's only a wee little thing right now and she's a month old, but my daughter, her mother and me will treat her the exact same that we treat Elias because we would expect that if she falls down, shake it off, get back out there. There's no, you know, if, if you're bleeding and you need attention, let's fix it. Other than that, get the fuck back on your hoverboard and go, you know, get back out there and keep playing. And I think that that's awesome. And you guys are not the norm, but you should be. I would agree no. with that. My wife, agree. my wife is tough. She's a, she grew up like rodeo, so she's tough. <laughs> I mean, should be my ass. So, <laughs> shout out to Summer. Yeah, shout out to Summer. Yeah, she's bigger than not bigger than me, but she's taller than me. So, I mean, that's not hard. So I, no, I'm not no, surprised. No. no, but she is tall. She is five eight. So, oh, five eight um, club. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I don't know. It, I agree with you though. It, it's hard for me to draw that analogy from a personal perspective because I grew up playing hockey and hockey male or female it doesn't matter <laughs> those are some of the toughest son of bitches you're gonna meet doesn't matter the gender they're Best tough sport ever yes so but but you're right like Celeste when you said you know these people that probably should get medical attention and they and they don't I mean if you watch the Stanley Cup and at the end of it they put out a report of the two teams injury report after it's said and done and half the fucking roster shouldn't have been playing, but they quote unquote man up because it's, it's the Stanley cup. They're not going to miss this unless they have to. And, but same thing goes for the women when you're talking about like uh, the women championships with Canada and us or Finland. And, and those girls are tough. They are tough women. So I don't know, but you're, you're right. It's a, um, it's a stigma that majority of people have. So I sort of just had this thought and I had this thought, I think, because you were talking about raising Ellie the same way that you are raising Elias in the sense of like the answer is tough it up, right? Like, which I totally respect. I love that. I mean, Tiny, when she used to get hurt, we would call it a boop and I would tell her to shake it off. Like she'd Mm -hmm. hit something and I'd be like, boop. And then... I mean, unless like blood, 
right? Right. We would we would sing the calm down song and tell her to shake it off and send her on her way. Like I and and I am a I'm a coddler. Like emotionally, I am I am a coddler, but physically, like no, you slammed your finger. You shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. You're okay. We'll amputate it later. Like that's that's the go to here. But as I was like thinking about your statement of raising them the same, I actually wonder if the treatment of girls in that sense of and this we're not, I'm not I'm not referring to us, but again this like grand society perspective. I'm curious if the tr- the white glove treatment of girls actually helps add fuel to the fire of how I'm going to say emotionally neglected boys are in the sense of we're not going to acknowledge that there is something wrong. You just have to man up. Mm-hmm. I'm actually curious, it, kind of in like a favoritism sense, right? But maybe not necessarily full-blown favoritism because it, it's not on an individual basis. And I'm not saying that society prefers girls over boys, but in that concept of like, why does she get to cry? Why does she get to feel pain? Why does she get to express this this way? And I have to man up and not. Like, I, I'm really curious if that, just like I said, fuels that fire. I definitely think that it does, personally. Like, any sort of thing that we as a society encourage or allow more in one side is going to in ways suppress another side. And I just, I think that that duality is super fascinating and I'm sure unintentional, right? Like I'm sure that society didn't set out to break boys. Like I'm sure that that wasn't it. And yet that's where we are. Could it be that, so we talked before and my mom and my dad, but my mom, primarily raised me Mm -hmm. and she's a tough lady and I think back to childhood experiences and I remember the first time I had to get allergy testing if you've ever had to do allergy testing it's like eight to twelve shots in one sitting and the very first time I cried like a little baby and I was like six or seven and my mom stared right at me and she said you can keep crying all you want but it's still gonna happen and I cried and then the next time I had to come in I lifted my little sleeve up held my arm out and just sat there and the lady was like oh you're doing so good and I'm like well my mom says if I cry or if I don't cry it's gonna happen so I might as well just not cry and I mean I have a super high pain tolerance I mean now like I I, you know needles don't scare me shots don't scare me I I've broken my collarbone I've broken my finger I've broken my toe and never went to the doctor you know it's stuff like that and I don't know if she was instilling it in me because I was a boy And I needed to grow up and be strong and tough. I don't know. But, I mean, if you think about the society timeline, that would make sense. Because still at that time, the man was the primary source of responsibility for a household. And so you need to be tough. Maybe. Or or it's just because my mom was tough and she wanted me to be tough. I don't know. But I guess I'd also question, like, you're an only child. If you Mm -hmm. had a sister... Would your mom have been the same way with your sister? Like, and that's obviously a hypothetical because we don't right. know. But I really would be curious, and I'm not. I don't doubt that she would have been the same. But that's a real 
thing. I mean, not even, not even the difference of siblings in gender. I mean, parents parent siblings differently, regardless of same sex gender siblings or not. But mm-hmm. I, in this conversation, I would be very curious if you had a sister who had to get allergy testing, if that would have been your mom's reaction also. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, that's the problem is it's a hypothetical because you really don't know. Yeah. And I mean, like the only example I can really draw, which doesn't really count either, is is Josh. The Rosen turd girls are tough as fucking nails, but Josh and I are a lot alike. And he treats his girls the same way that he treats his son. And they're all fucking tough little sons of bitches. So, um, but he's different. He, him and I are a lot alike. I mean, yeah, we might be like six inches height difference, but we're a lot alike. And, and he was an only child raised by a strong female, like we've talked about Mm -hmm. on our episode, but that's part of the problem. We're not the normal and that's why you have me on, you know, we're not the normal stigma male. And, um, I do think it's changing though. I mean, you, you see the world and the, and I mean, not even just the United States, but the whole world, the, but mainly the United States, because that's where we live in and that's where all of this stems from is our thought process because other countries are not the same as us. And it's changing and you can see it changing. It's, you know, it's acceptable race, gender, all of it. Everybody is equal and that's the mm-hmm. way it needs to be. You can do the same thing. The only thing that men can't do, if anything, there needs to be an inferior, inferiority to men. We cannot push a baby out of our dick. Okay, (laughs) women are tough. (laughs) Women are tough. Men are not. That's a horrifying fucking image. I really don't appreciate that nightmare fuel. Right. You're welcome. No, thank you. (laughs) But I mean, it's it's it is. I mean, women are tough. Men are tough. Everybody's tough. So it's it's break the stigma. Let it it doesn't matter. You know, let people be. I also think tough has. I'm so sorry. I cut you off. I think it's okay tough i was apologizing to Allie. oh i think <laughs> it's okay i i'll accept it for her i think it's so interesting that you keep using the word tough too and not because you're doing anything wrong or saying anything wrong but like i just i'm sitting here thinking about myself and i'm thinking about mm-hmm. your story about your shots right mm-hmm. i'm a fucking pussy i would have <laughs> cried i would have cried sitting in that room at the thought that there were needles near me okay yeah like okay but i am emotionally a tough motherfucker i i i am i emotionally and mentally i'm one of the toughest people i know and i take deep pride in that because i have seen some shit and i'm still here trying to do good Mm -hmm. for the world right so tough as it relates to men or women is such an objective and irresponsible word to use in labeling people because we are so different. Our strengths are so different. And just because you're tough physically doesn't make me any less tough just because I'm emotionally tough. And, and I don't, and I mean, know you're not saying that. I know yeah, you're not saying that. I, I don't. Yeah. And I don't mean tough as a physical tough. I mean, tough in all perspectives, emotional right. and strength. You're just a, you're tough. You're strong. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the word I use because I don't, I don't like to use the stigma of, like you said, man up, like we've talked about. Yeah. And I totally hear what you're saying. And I, and again, I know that you're not coming from that place, but I think again, dominant culture does come from that place mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. men are supposed to be tough. 
on the outside. And also women are not supposed to be tough inside or outside. Mm-hmm. And like that is the that is the role. That's the box that as specified genders we kind of fall into. And I think that that's absolute bullshit. Mm. But here's the thing. I think society is changing in women for that much quicker than it is for men. Oh my God, I cannot agree more. This is actually a point that I had later on. So double standards. Girls recently were able to join the Boy Scouts, but you don't hear anything about boys joining Girl Scouts. No, that's not necessarily to say that boys don't want to join Girl Scouts. I'm sure they would be less inclined to speak up to join Girl Scouts, though, because of the Mm -hmm. social stigma around it. And the thing is, is I have my own feelings about girls joining Boy Scouts because I feel like Boy Scouts is a safe place for boys in what is a very precarious age in their life. I think all Scouts should have all of the options available to them within the Scouts. Like, if boys want to learn how to knit, fucking teach them how to knit. If girls want to learn how to fucking pitch a tent, teach them how to pitch a tent. Like, cross that over. But I still think there should be safe spaces for boys and girls at certain periods of their lives. I guess that's a whole other discussion. And if people are pissed at me, you can at me for that. That's fine. I'll deal with it. But um, another example is girls have a lot more boy-themed clothing. So girls are getting NASA shirts, are getting truck shirts, are getting scientist shirts, shirts, dinosaur shirts. I'm not seeing boys getting a lot of dresses and headbands. It's still culturally abnormal for that to be a thing. And it's not fair. And Celeste, in an episode a long time ago, we discussed whether or not I'm a feminist. And I said, I don't think I am because I don't like being labeled with something like that. Because I feel I'm an equalist. I feel like this Mm -hmm. should be progressing at the same timeline. Now, the issues are completely different on different levels, but that doesn't make any issue less severe to one side or the other. We can't see from each other's sides, and I think it's very important, especially that I'm raising a little boy, that he is also allowed to express himself in any manner that he chooses, just as we expect any little girl to be able to express herself in any manner that she chooses. And that's my mic drop. Bye. I love all that mic drop. Okay. I do. I love all that. I hear you, and I would agree completely that I am an equalist. I, however, have a different perception on the term of feminism because the way that I'm teaching Tiny about feminism is in the sense of feminist means everybody's equal. And the reason why I don't think current state an equalist is a real title is because it's not a real title today. The reason I am saying this and I come from this place that the word is feminism is because previous to the woman's revolution, nobody fought for women. Nobody stood up for women, right? So women needed somebody in their corner, which ended up being other women who were feminist because on the scale... It was so heavily tipped toward men. I agree, equalist is where we need to be and we need to move. But current state, 
that's just not a label. And I agree with you, like, fuck labels. But we have to, in in certain conversations, use terminology that people can understand and relate to. So to a degree, labels are important. And I think that we do a really good job of, like, always expanding on those labels and saying, like, feminazi is not the same as a feminist. Like, I'm not saying that. And I, I know that there are people out there, ignorant, un educated people who think that just because I say I'm a feminist I mean full-blown extremist feminazi like I'm not saying men shouldn't exist on this planet I did actually one time read an article about the fact that in 50,000 years women will be asexual and men will probably die off because we will be able to procreate by ourselves and I think that's fascinating but until then I fully recognize that men have absolute value and absolute worth and are beautiful creatures of themselves and they belong here. But I just, that's kind of where I come from with the feminist point is I am of everyone should be equal. I also recognize that in our society today, it isn't that way and we have to keep fighting for that. And I believe that feminists are doing that work and getting us to the point of being equal because we should, we absolutely should be. There shouldn't be a difference. Like, men shouldn't suffer because women are up, and women shouldn't suffer because men are up. Why can't we all be successful together? Why can't we cohabitate and be successful together? I don't understand that competition. Well, then I guess my question is, why aren't these sort of conversations at the forefront as well? Why aren't these conversations about men or boys' emotions or men wearing dresses? I mean... The Harry Styles thing with Candace Owens just popped up, and that's actually one of my examples. I fucking hate Candace Owens. Also, dear listeners, if you didn't catch that last comment about women becoming asexual was dripped in sarcasm, you can at her as well. It wasn't dripped in sarcasm at all. I legitimately read that fucking article. I'm not fucking kidding about that. I read this article. Women are going to turn into snails and make their own babies. I believe that I'm talking about the fact that you want it to happen. Dear God, I'm trying to save you. Please take In 50, the life In 50,000 years. I'm not, I, I'm not ready to procreate by myself. I love dick. I need men in my world. Okay? I'm not saying that. It's on a 6'2 body. It must be on a 6'2 minimum height requirement. Yes. But I'm just saying I'm not in the position of let's exile men. I, I'm not in that position at all. I did find that research, and I had to share it because it seemed like the appropriate time to do it. Jordan, please stop our ranting and <laughs> do something. I'm just going to say that I'm living 50,000 years ahead of time because what you're saying is men will start to shrink and become hobbit-like in the weird homes. I'm already there, so I'm living 50,000 years in the future. Get the fuck on my level, folks. Oh, my God. Welcome to Taboos. I think I'm actually turning uh, away from my male perspective because I've been on the shelf for like eight weeks, so I don't know what to do anymore. I've I've become asexual. <laughs> I'm going to make my Shout own out my baby. wife had a baby and we're still waiting for the okay, so that's what I'm talking about. I think that, I think to your question of why aren't people acknowledging the boy perspective or or healthy functioning emotionally intelligent and capable men okay I want to go back to that piece in that question and I'm not saying anybody's doing it right or wrong I'm not saying that but I think 
that this is the perspective purely on the gender scale, okay? We're going to eliminate race. We're going to eliminate creed. We're going to eliminate all of that. I'm purely talking about a male-identified body and a female-identified body, okay? I think that male-identified bodies have had the stage for so long, and there are so many things put in place from a societal perspective that bolster men to be this image that we're talking about, right? To be this successful, powerful, head of the household thing. I think that that's a very, that's still a very real thing in society. And I think that the focus is to empower women to get that playing field level. I think that a lot of societal perspective relates those concepts purely to adults. And they don't recognize that those behaviors and those thought processes have to start with our children, right? A lot of feminist platforms are speaking to equality in the workplace, equality, equal pay for equal work, like stuff like that. But there aren't drastic, to your point, there aren't drastic motions to have equality in an elementary school right? For for boys and girls. I think that from a societal perspective, that label is just lacking at a younger age. So it's this, it's this weird place of like, let's empower women, but only after they are X age. Here's my thought on it too, is the things that men have against them are less tangible. So emotions and mental health are much less tangible than workplace equality or political or social equality. It's harder to grasp, really. So they're the silent killers, per se. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you one billion percent on that. And that's a really good point. And I really appreciate that you said those words. What do you think, dear sir? We're just talking. No, I... Hello, I, welcome to Taboos. No, it's all good. <laughs> Wait, we're not on Dad's on Deco? Bum, ba, da, bum. What the fuck? I thought there was a lot less talk about dick going on. I didn't know how to handle myself. Uh, I did talk about dick, so I'm not sure what you're talking not about. enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's because there's only one between the three of us. I how just, big is I, I love that you just did that math. <laughs> I love that you just did that math. <laughs> My wife's purse is not in here. It's it's uh, we're all we're all equal right now. Um, it's I Axel. That was just I, for you balls. guys didn't know he was here. Yeah. No, it's Dick and balls. <laughs> Summer's a bad. That's bitch. another stigma that needs to be broken. <laughs> um, no, I, I I think I think it's turning though. I think it's turning the corner because of the way we're teaching our children now that it's okay to be those things. That it's okay to be like that. Um, as far as the clothes thing, I, I don't know because, I mean, I I do think that clothes are changing steadily. Uh, I I do agree with you though, like how you said that for girls it's at a faster rate than than boys. Like mm-hmm. you don't see boys out there wearing dresses, and to me, it's just 
I guess still kind of a stigma in my own head. It's still kind of weird. Like if you were just to see a boy playing on a scooter outside wearing a little sundress, it would look, it would look because you don't see it. You know, it's hard to imagine that. But I, I think where it's changing for at least for clothing for boys though is um, you have the shorts are becoming shorter. That was not a thing when I was like, if if my shorts were above my knees, I was getting called out. Like. And that's different now. You see these guys with these high thigh shorts and colorful shirts and bright all. So it is changing. It's just, I I don't know. It's it's a tough stigma to break, and and the equality in in workplaces is a tough stigma to break. And I mean, you hear, I've heard doctors, you know, bitch about, um, you know, women women automatically getting a spot in a in a medical rotation like med school per se, right? Like. They have to allow a certain amount of race and gender to be allowed now. Whereas back in the day, you know, it was probably like 98% white males is what it was. But now it's different. And I've heard doctors in the past bitch that, you know, women get the spot and then they're going to go have kids. And because they've dealt with this before, it's still a bad stigma to have. But I've heard it that, oh, this lady gets their spot. So this guy doesn't get it. Doesn't matter what the race is, just a guy. Right. But she's going to have a kid and then never come back to work. And then that's bullshit. And it's like, well, that might be bullshit, but she's still deserving just as as the guy was to have the spot. Did she pass the test to get there? Yes. Okay. then why didn't she get why couldn't she get the spot? You know, and that's I don't know. It's it's tough because you still we're still dealing with a lot of old school mentality. I mean, shit, if you guys were to come to the town that Josh and I live in, it's it is starting to change, but it's still a good old boy kind of a town. And it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, you, you hear, I hear patients at work and, and some of the conversations you hear, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. you I know? had that today. Oh my God. But, I had that but, today. But these are people that might be 70, 80, 80 years old. So they are living in a different generation than the current generation. And they, they don't know how to accept it and they just don't. Mm-hmm. But I think it it just rests on our shoulders of teaching our kids equality in every category. Race, gender, doesn't matter. You're a person and that's it. Yep. Period. That that's the only I'm looking at you as, as a person and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a question because I know that I'm imagining the this conversation in my mind with the type of man that I have dated before, right? Which is not the type of man that you are, height or not height. Like, that's not even the part that I'm talking about. No, I got you. But if I were to say to you this this scenario of tomorrow, Elias came to you and said, Dad, I found this dress that I love that I want to wear. Like, like I, I, I need this dress. This dress would make me feel whole. <laughs> what would be your reaction to that? What would be your reaction to that? What would be your response to that? Like, I'm genuinely asking you. That's, I'm throwing that at you right now. It's a great question. I wear it. Fuck it. Put it on. I mean, I've criticized that. Did this kid? <laughs> this kid will wear currently. I mean, we're in Arizona. It's not that cold, right? But he will go outside wearing shorts and a hoodie because he's that kind of kid. With, I'm not kidding, uh, shamrock socks that go up to his <laughs> knee that his nana bought him for St. Patty's Day. And I'm like, Elias, what are you wearing? And it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just you look like a goofball. 
You know, you, you like what? They're comfortable. Okay, then wear them. You know, it, whatever, wear it. And the problem is, you know, if he went outside, like, hey, I want this dress. Okay, put on that dress. Go for it. You know, yeah, he'll probably go outside and get made fun of. Like, I honestly, it, it might happen. But that's that's if he wants it, go for it. Yeah. And honestly, that I think that's really important for our male listeners to hear, though, and to like, dear listeners, ask yourself that question, male or female. Ask yourself if your son approached you tomorrow and was like, I want to wear a dress. This dress makes me feel like myself. And that's not even saying that they're questioning their identity or anything like that, just in the sense of. I'm a little boy who is interested in wearing this dress. How would you react as a parent? I mean, I know my answer. I know Allie's answer. Be but who I think, you want to be. Exactly. But I think hearing it from you, Jordan, will really mean something to our male listeners in relating to this isn't just a, something that Allie and I are saying because that's just how we are. Like, I think hearing it from a male's perspective is super important. I got I got two things. One important, one non important. Non important. We're talking about you, Chris Labar. I love you, homie. Number two, which is actually number one, more important. So my son's one of his favorite colors is purple, and and I'm completely okay with it. And I think where it stemmed from was Fortnite because when they had that galaxy purple thing going oh, yeah. on, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted he wanted to paint part of his room purple. But, and I said it was okay, but we couldn't find the right purple. And so he settled on like a cobalt blue, which is fine. But I will say this. He does have, he has two different sets of sheets for his bed. And one of them is that royal purple color. And when he asked for it, we said, sure, absolutely. And hopped on Amazon and bought it. And that's the majority of what he has on his bed is a purple uh, fitted sheet and a purple sheet. And I, I don't give a shit. Go for it. It's it's not girl. It's not man. If that's your favorite color, that's your fucking favorite color. It's a color. I probably have the exact same sheets. To be perfectly honest, my sheets my sheets are purple as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it, it's hard because people we're we're trying to break the stigma, but it hasn't been broken, so people won't react the right way. That's that's the weird thing, though. Okay, we're talking about something as simple as clothing and color. Mm-hmm. These shouldn't have gender definitions. Period. No. It's clothing and color. Dresses shouldn't belong to just girls. No, I mean we used to all wear dresses. I don't know why pants yeah. are a thing. And makeup—that was a sign of wealth. Men who wore makeup and wigs, like that, was a sign of wealth and power. Fuck yeah. You ever watch the Tudors? Mm-hmm. And their clothes on the Tudors was it Henry the Eighth? That bitch yep. had some calves. Holy shit. But that's why they did it, because they wanted to show off their legs. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and the Scots, the Scot, they, the hardcore Scots still wear kilts. Yep. It's a fucking skirt. Also, I would imagine it's way more comfortable airing everything out. Yeah. Well, and, well, and, and let me pose this to the, to the male listeners. I have um, an uncle who has played in a golf tournament, and him and his buddies wore kilts. And... If you think it's okay to wear a kilt to a golf tournament, then why wouldn't you let your son wear a kilt or a dress or a skirt? It's mm-hmm. the same fucking thing. Agreed. And also, I mean, when I when I right? personally think about my stereotypical manly man, which is in air quotes, but when I personally think about that, 
hardcore Scottish man is like my stereotypical manly man. And I do. I picture the kilt. I picture the big hairy chest, beautiful Mm -hmm. 6'4 man. Mm -hmm. Like I do. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really interesting that that is your example of like this, this, these two concepts coming together because hardcore Scottish men, I think are the most manly men for my personal preference. And I love that that was the example you went with. Yeah. Well, and even back, take it back to the Greeks, take it back to the Spartans. Those were fucking skirts. If you really want to break it down, they were togas were dresses and that's how they were. And it's, it, the evolution of clothes changed. And I mean, now you have a woman can wear a power suit, but you're not going to fucking see a man wear a dress. You know, you're not going to see, I don't, I do not get involved with politics. That's just my own personal belief, but you are not going to see a president walk up there to try and win the presidency wearing a fucking dress. You're not, but you're going to see, you're going to see a woman walk up in a power suit. Bet Mm -hmm. you fucking ass you will. Mm -hmm. Right. Why not? Over a dress any day. And I think that that's interesting in that thought process because a woman in a power suit commands respect of men in a way that a woman in a dress does not. I I just I thought that that also was an interesting example because that's that is the flip side of that exact same coin. Why yeah. when a woman wears a suit right. is she worth more respect? And that kind of just makes it sound like dresses as a whole indicates femininity or indicates mm-hmm. a weakness which Fuck, I live in dresses and I'll I will hyena the fuck out of anybody and I live in dresses. That that's a stupid fucking thing. In a bit of irony that Harry Styles Vogue cover in which he was in a dress, Candace Owens' response was There's no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Yet, Candace Owens has won a power suit with no, like, nothing under it. So you can see her cleavage. How is Harry Styles wearing a dress, feminization and, like, unmanly, but she can wear a suit and bear cleavage in it and like that's not some duality because candace owens is a filthy hypocrite agreed but it's also a significant marker in our societal expectations and that brings oh yeah and that brings me back to the fact that we are talking about just clothes something very neutral when we bring it back to men's emotions something far more important than clothes That's a whole other can of worms, and I can completely understand why men feel like they can't express their emotions, because look at how society reacts to clothes. Right. Mm -hmm. I have been dying to say this. this, Since since Jordan's comment before about how the presentation of the male ego has been changing, right? I've been, so I've been holding on to this for a hot fucking minute. Billy Porter is, in my opinion, one of the most influential males in the market currently that's really, in my opinion, is the perfect blend of extremely masculine 
while still being completely yeah, in okay. touch with this perspective. Billy Porter is the actor who has worn the beautiful fucking tuxedo dress mm-hmm. uh, to the Grammys. I would fucking kill for that dress. I literally would kill for that dress with the tie and everything. Like, such a beautiful man that is so empowered in the way he presents himself. And he is homosexual, but it doesn't make a difference because he's still incredibly masculine in a lot of different ways. And I just think for anybody who doesn't know who Billy Porter is, go look at him and his beautiful fucking self because... In my opinion, he is the perfect embodiment of exactly what we're trying to talk about our society needs to get to, right? Like appreciating all that is amazing and beautiful and powerful about a man while also appreciating everything that is amazing and powerful and powerful and beautiful about a woman in one human being. That equalist perspective, I believe, is Billy Porter. Well, and... Like I said earlier, can I talk about TV at Alley? <laughs> yes. Okay. There's so, so like many I, rules. Well, you talked about actors, so I was like, is, is this the chance I get? Do I get the chance? <laughs> teacher, teacher. Um, so one of my favorite TV shows, and this is where I was talking about earlier, the kind of change of stigma. Have you, either of you watched Black Sails? No, sir. Okay. Black Sails, if you have Hulu, it is available on Hulu. It's done. It's over with. I think it's four seasons. It's a pirate show. It is fan-fucking-tastic. It's basically how Long John Silver became Long John Silver. Ahoy, matey! So, Toby Stevens, have you seen um, the newer reboot of Lost in Space on Netflix? Yes. He's the dad. That's Toby Stevens. So, he plays Captain Flint in Black Sails. Okay. And I guess small spoiler alert if nobody's ever watched it, he is technically a bisexual man in there. And what you said by, I mean, when you see him in the show, it's he's a fucking man. Like, he's a man-man, right? You're talking about a captain of a pirate ship, but he actually came as a Brit and converted into being a pirate. And then you get his backstory in there. Small spoilers. Don't worry about it if you're going to watch it. But the point being is you... 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that on TV. Oh, no. Right? But then you talk about even, like, the show Spartacus, which was probably 10, 15, 12 years ago. Fantastic fucking show. But sexuality wasn't, there was no, there was no dome of sexuality back in those days. It was open. It was open season. Male, female didn't matter. There was no stigma. And at some point, the stigma changed. But now you're starting to see historical shows show that it was okay mm-hmm. i mean in yeah. in no way shape or form me personally am i attracted to males outside of josh he's <laughs> so josh. hot so we can acknowledge okay. that so but in no way shape or form am i attracted to males i am strictly only attracted to females and that's okay Absolutely. but if you are attracted to males that's fucking okay too mm-hmm. if you're attracted to both that's also okay too but it's at some point that changed, but I it is changing slowly back. But history takes a long time to make itself when you think about it, right? I mean, yeah. And I would I would actually also say kind of like how we were talking about before, it is more I was thinking about this today. It is more acceptable for 
women to to come out as anything other than straight then i think on a societal view it is for men to come out as anything other than straight oh yeah definitely i think that people are more accepting of women accepting and and to a degree understanding of okay well you're just a very compassionate person that's what you are as a woman Mm -hmm. you you just love everybody okay you go do you boo boo like (laughs) i understand because you're a woman but then when a man has that experience of i just love people i just love everybody it doesn't matter man or woman society is like uh-uh you're not the caretaker you're not you're not that's not what you're supposed to be and i i think that's kind of where this conversation started of who who gets to define what men get to be and in whatever sense that means just like who gets to decide what women get to be nobody like that's on us as individual people to decide what that means to me what does being a woman mean to me what does being a man mean to you and i guess i just really struggle with the fact that society thinks that they have any right to say what that means on a grand scale. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with that 100%. I was thinking though during that examples, older examples in Hollywood of men with emotions and I know you aren't a fan of this movie series and Celeste, I don't even know if you've ever seen it, but in Lord of the Rings, Sam and Frodo are super emotional and I'm just saying they fucking defeated Sauron, okay? I'm just not into walking, you know? I'm not into walking. (laughs) (laughs) I can walk back and forth in this room for 20 minutes and that wraps up Lord of the Rings. You're welcome, everybody. Save yourself Thank the time. Thank you, clerks, too. It's because you got little legs. It's because I got little. So do they. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, these yeah. are like your homies. Yeah. I don't really know what the problem is here. I know, right? These are They are my homies. There is just one piece I wanted to loop back to or I wanted to get to um, before we wrap it up here. So I did some research because I was curious to see if there's any physiological reason for this and there was nothing that I could find that was concrete so as far as our brains go the studies done on male versus female brains have not been very conclusive on the emotional processing bit insofar as showing that it's a predetermined factor at birth and not a learned or developed one from greatergood.berkeley.edu Studies of infants have shown that neurologically, there isn't much difference between boys' and girls' capacity for empathy. Yet, according to neuroscientists, because girls are allowed to express their emotions, their ability to identify and understand both their own and others' emotions cultivates their empathetic skills beyond those of boys. I actually visualized the hammer hitting the nail on the head as you said that thought. How so? What do you mean? In that girls are... In that girls are allowed to explore their emotional stages, which it's not that girls are made or wired different than boys. That's not what your point was. Your point was girls are allowed to explore that and boys aren't. So girls are more in tune with it on average. I mean, again, obviously not on a singular basis, but on average, Mm -hmm. girls are more in tune emotionally because they were allowed to to study that in themselves they were allowed to express those emotions and boys aren't so it's not that they aren't born that way it's that they weren't allowed to use that muscle it's it's society exactly it's it's what i said earlier about how society creates the stigma that you have to be 
like I said, tough, right? You have to be a man mm-hmm. because you're going to be the head of a household. Maybe the woman's going to be the head of the household. You don't fucking know nowadays. But back in the day, you did know. It was the male was the dominant household figure. And he had, you could have a breakdown, but do it by yourself, Jerry, and not around everybody else, okay? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, it's okay. Have a breakdown, you know? Come here and cry, Jerry. Yeah, get on my shoulder. Jerry. Uh, you have to scoot down a little bit, but it's here. Sit it's on here. my lap, Jerry. <laughs> so uh, that leads me to just wanting to point this out. So avoiding feelings and emotions can lead to problems. So this is why we need to change it. It can lead to addiction, to mental health issues, to despondency. And we owe it to everybody to be better. We as women need to be better in these instances too. No more, no more man flu bullshit. We all need to step up. I couldn't agree more. I have two small pieces left. Jordan size pieces. Here the you go. The first is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. It's an addiction. Self-sabotage 101, ladies and gentlemen. The first is a quote from Justin Baldani. He's in Jane the Virgin, which I've never seen, but this is a TED Talk that he did that I'm going to put in the show notes. And you guys, I cried during it. So everybody watch this thing because it's so good. It's only like 18 minutes. If the dead inside cried, it's definitely worth the listen. This is just a little excerpt. It is exhausting trying to be man enough for everyone all the time. Yeah. No, that sums it up. It is exhausting. I would imagine it would be exhausting. The only final thing I had is I wanted personally to call out two people in my life that are who I consider outside the societal norm for showing emotions as far as men go, and that would be my dad and Laren. Both are phenomenal men and good men, and I appreciate having both of them as examples to be outside that norm to the degree that they are. I would agree completely. I would agree with both of those men completely. Your dad and Laren are both such gentle men while still being incredibly masculine men, right? Like, and I think that, I think truly we need to get away from associating masculinity with not being gentle because you can be mm-hmm. gentle, right mm-hmm. and and i don't even mean like a soft touch like that's not what i'm talking about but you don't have to react with anger and angst and like just lower your voice like don't just don't you know what i'm saying like you can still be incredibly masculine and still be gentle and and your dad and laren are fantastic examples of that i would also argue that josh is a great example of that like a huge example of that for me. Jordan, you also, like, and AJ too, but I think Josh is just so good about being so vocal about it. And also also because I get to see the way that he talks about his girls and the way that a man talks about his daughters is, in my opinion, a defining point of his manhood. That like honestly, a man who understands that his daughters are his princesses, his his little girls. But like you said, Jordan, tough as fuck. Like I yes. like tough as fuck, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, yes, <laughs> tough little princesses. Like the fact that he 
knows their worth as women, someday women, mm-hmm. but still encourages them to be exactly the way that they are as little girls, that to me defines him as a man and puts him in that category for me. I agree. That's all I had, guys. I loved this. Jordan, what'd you learn here today? I learned that I'm going to go by, I don't know how women's sizes work, so I'm going <laughs> to say, I'm going to just guesstimate myself. I'm going to go buy a size 14 dress tomorrow. Oh, no, that's too big for you, baby. Oh, I'm just going to be honest. I don't understand how women's sizes work either, so. Nobody knows how women's <laughs> sizes work. We had a I whole mean, episode on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in the closet right now because it has the best acoustics. I could just grab one of my, my wife's dresses and stretch out her shoulders a little bit, so. Get it, girl. Fun fact, I've done it before (laughs) with one of her jackets. And I did the fat guy in the little coat at the same time. So (laughs) I'm sure she loved that. No, I, I, it it was fun to have a little bit different. I I love what we do on Dads on Dayquil and I love laughing for an hour long, but it was fun to be a little bit more serious. And we have spurts of that on our show every Mm -hmm. so often. Um, with mental health stuff, but it, it was nice to have a little bit more serious conversation with some fun in there too. And, uh, yeah, the, the United States, uh, needs to be a little bit destigmatized, I guess you could say. And, and we're working on it. We're working on it. Absolutely. So. what do you learn, Celeste? I learned that Abraham Lincoln had a bedmate, which really genuinely fucking blew my mind. Like, that yeah. the fact that bedmates were a thing like that blows my mind not because conceptually that's hard to imagine it's not at all like i'm sure that that was incredibly cost effective but i've never heard of that before and then to know that this man right wrong or indifferent of how you feel about abraham lincoln is in our country a historically very masculine figure mm-hmm. came from that place of i had a bedmate I love that. I'm here for it. I thought that that was fascinating. I think the other thing that I learned here is truly just how much I genuinely, maybe not learned, but I really recognized in this conversation how much I appreciate men who have emotional intelligence and who have that gentleness to them because it's such a beautiful thing and it's something that men deserve to be able to be and it's something that women deserve men to be able to be it's it's just something that everybody benefits from and i wish that there were more options and more research more resources for men who find themselves in a position of being too tough quote unquote to work through I'm going to bring it to like an AA place, but I don't even mean in an addiction way. I just mean I wish there was some sort of counseling specifically to help men back away from the stigma and move toward this place of equality, of just being able to be healthy emotionally and mentally, not just physically, because that's what's expected of men. I wish that that was a thing. Dear listeners, if you're also wishing that, I will put those resources in the show notes because there are such things. Oh, I love this. What did you learn here, Allie girl? I was pretty shocked at the whole 
men having emotions in the romantic age was highly sought after. Um, that was pretty interesting to me, but also the bedmates thing was really interesting to me. So pretty much the same thing. I also wanted to say that to me, the one of the sexiest and most beautiful moments ever is watching Nick interact with Moose. Oh my God, yeah. And having that having that vulnerability. And I feel like it's just a beautiful thing. And I wish I wish men in society felt like acting like that all around was accepted because it should be. I agree. Actually, on that thought, there was there was a dance dad when we were in dance. There was this dance dad and he is a mechanic and just being objective like from me personally and physically, he's like maybe a 5, right? Like he's a good-looking dude, but I'm not attracted to him at all. And seeing him interact with his children the way that he does instantly made him a 9 for me. Like seeing like you hit it you hit it dead on that vulnerability that here is this dude who is covered in dirt doing one of the more quote-unquote masculine jobs that there is like just filthy right and he's on the floor in a dance studio with his daughter tying her ballet slippers let me tell you basement flooded in that moment and Anytime I've ever seen something like that is a basement flooded moment for me because you're right. That is one of the most sexy attributes of a man that you can be all big and rough and tough on the outside, but at the same time, you are just goo, just gooey on the inside and soft and gentle and and, mm, loving, emotionally connected. I think that's so fucking hot. So point being, and now the title of this episode is Dear Men, Emotions Are Sexy and Fuck Anybody Who Tells You Different. Preach, girl, preach. I like the uh, emotional basement flooding. Oh, that is it. That's the, <laughs> that's the title. <laughs> it's a gift. I'm, it's really Niagara Falls when that shit happens. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so... Jordan, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. We love you so much. It's stupid, actually. Yeah, feelings the same. I love being on with you guys. You guys are fantastic. It was amazing. And listeners, go check out Dad's on Dayquil. You will not regret it. Absolutely not. If you need a palate cleanser after listening to us, I guarantee you they are the perfect, what am I looking for? That. They're the perfect that. Just go. (laughs) Do you ever have milk come out of your nose? That's what we are. You're not wrong. It's like hilarious <laughs> and painful all at the same time. Yep. And real. <laughs> Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find the lovely dads? Yes. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on the wonderful fuck Google podcast. You can find us on Podbean, on uh, Stitcher. You can find us anywhere. We do have a link tree. Um you can find our merch on Tee Public. We have the Taboos merch, some of it on ours as well. You can find that there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DDayQuil. I run that fucking nightmare because I'm a hooligan that belongs on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Dads on DayQuil podcast. Uh, come interact with us. We have a great time. We just say uh, no politics, no racism. You can go fuck yourself on both those categories. Just come and have fun. So 
That's our only rules. Other than that, you want to come on there? You have a podcast? You want to come on there and promote your podcast? Come on there and fucking promote your podcast. It you guys are up. so fucking good at that. Seriously. I love all your shout out posts where you're just like, hey, whoever comments on this is is getting a shout out. So yep. that's that, I love that's, that shit. I want, I want to grow and I want to help everybody else grow. Yeah. 2023 world tour so let's go we're atrocious at it on our actual podcast twitter because i run it (laughs) it's okay so i do a lot of it on my personal twitter you should try working with josh and aj i love you too but fuck you guys seriously (laughs) can't with me on that note too if uh if you guys want to contact us at all we have all the things that jordan just listed also it's taboos the pod on instagram and whatever the fuck twitter twitter you know, the one you were just fucking saying. <laughs> Taboos Podcast on Facebook and Taboos Podcast at Gmail. If you want We're not Taboos us. Podcast on Facebook, just so everyone knows. It's just Taboos. Real easy. Our actual name. Just come find us. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not. And on that note, everyone. Do, do you, you be Taboos? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.